0: Matthew chapter 5, verse number 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I believe that tonight we have a special time together. We had a great time today. Modesto, God bless you. Those of you that were able to help, we had multiple things happening at that campus today. Many of you were a part of that here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We were able to unload and spread out 26 tons of gravel, 52 tons of sand. We now have a sand volleyball court regulation size. We have. A location for bounce houses we have a fire pit with well this quick testimony we wanted to get some um, stumps just stumps to put out around the fire pit and I looked on marketplace to see if I could find some stumps and I found some for I think they were 75 dollars a stump is what this guy wanted so I thought well it doesn't hurt to ask so I called him and said would you give them to us And and he said, well, I'm not a religious person, but it just feels right. So yes, you can come pick them up. So we're gonna pick up 30 stumps to put around the fire pit so we can have a nice time at the men's conference this weekend. It's gonna be powerful, powerful, powerful. So men and women, you need to be there. It is not an option if you're part of the family here at New Life Church, we come to the healthy men's and we come to the healthy women's conferences. So I wanna give a shout out to everybody that helped today at that campus. And we have a lot that's gonna be happening at the Lathrop campus, And certainly we had an incredible outreach at the Manteca campus last night where there was a ton of people that showed up for our second skate night, it was incredible. You should have seen me. I was doing pirouettes in my skates, and if you missed it, you can talk about it later. That is a total lie. I was not on any skates whatsoever, but we had a great time at 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 the roller rink. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I remember when I was a, a pastoring in a, in a community called Neosho, Missouri, in Southwest Missouri, many, many years ago, a couple decades ago or more, and I had to do a funeral service, and it was a last-minute uh, arrangement. The family asked me to help, and I needed a black, my black suit. It needed to be cleaned. I noticed as I pulled it out of the closet, it had a stain on it, so I needed to go take it to the cleaners, and I remembered in a town 14 miles north of us called Joplin, Missouri, there was a dry cleaners there called the one hour cleaners. And I thought it's worth the 14 mile drive. I'll take it there in this nearby city. And I took it to them and I dropped it off at the front counter and I told the lady that I'm gonna go grab some lunch and I'll be back in about an hour to pick up my freshly dry cleaned suit to which she said, sir, we don't clean clothes in an hour. The the sign says, one hour cleaners, that's who you are, that's that's your name, and you're not the next day cleaners, you're not the whenever you get to it cleaners, Uh, if that was the case I probably wouldn't have come to this establishment, but I wanted to bring my suit to a place called the one hour cleaners. Intending that I would get my suit back within an, anybody know what I'm talking about within an hour. Yes, you are in fact the one. And I wasn't. I wasn't quite that rude to the lady behind the counter, but I felt very passionate about the fact that I, I was deceived. You get the idea, don't you? That's who you say you are. That's what the sign says on the outside. It says you're the one-hour cleaners, and so I would expect to get my close within an hour, it seemed reasonable to me at the time and I became very, very frustrated, why? Because there was a claim of being something on the outside that wasn't true on the inside. And so Jesus says, blessed are the pure, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. In other words, blessed are you when you stop hanging up signs on the outside, that don't reflect who you are on the inside. Now, if you came to church tonight, I hope you didn't come to punch your time card for God, hoping that you'll get some favor with Jesus. But tonight, we're going to look at his word, and we're going to be faced with a reckoning. What are we going to do with God says, with what God says we're supposed to be according to his word? Blessed are those who aren't pretending to be more than they really are. And Jesus says, there's happiness found in that. You want to be happy? Be pure at heart. It's exhausting. It's frustrating. It's miserable for you to live like a full-time actor or actress everywhere you go, pretending and just putting on a show. It wears you out. But where there's an authentic and a pure heart, not a perfect heart. You can't be perfect but but an authentic heart. Not a, not a heart that's free from all sin. You can't do that. But where there is a heart that is pure, you'll find happiness. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Pure. What does that mean? It means undivided heart. It means an authentic heart. It means a sincere heart. Back in the... Ancient Roman culture of when this was written, of when Jesus spoke this, sculpting was a popular profession. There would be a lot of people. There was a big demand in the marketplace for sculptures because all kinds of false gods were in the in the culture at that time, and people would sculpt these false gods, and then they would sell these these uh, sculptures of these false gods and because there was so much demand you all know the law of supply and demand because there was so much demand there were a lot of sculptors out there that just weren't very good they were inferior craftsmen and they would build sculptures very quickly and if we we all agree that doing things too quickly can take some of the craftsmanship out you take shortcuts And they would build them very quickly to make a quick buck, but the sculptures weren't very good. The problem is, though, that the average person couldn't tell which was a good good sculpture and which was a bad sculpture. So the great sculptures, they would mark their statues with this word, "sincera." It's where we get our word today, sincerely. And this word literally means without Wax, that's what it means, sinicera, sincerely. It means without wax. What, why would it mean that? Because, because what the inferior sculptures would do, sculptors would do, is they would put wax in the cracks. It didn't quite set correctly though. They would just fill it in with, with wax. You couldn't tell on the outside of the sculpture, but you could tell on the inside when wax was used. So the great sculptors of the day, they would say, on their sign, they would say Sinistera. They would, and then they would also take their sculpture and they would set their highly, uh, their, their highly prized craftsman sculpt, sculpture out in the sun. The inferior ones wouldn't do that. They would put it out in the sun because the sun would expose If any wax was used in the sculpture, sculpture, the sun would melt the wax. It would ultimately destroy the sculpture. So it was proven to be pure when it was put out in the sun. This is what Jesus is getting to and getting at when he's talking to us about being pure of heart. It's what Jesus says a blessed life is. It's faith without wax. It's it's life without without wax it's a heart without wax and so he says blessed blessed are the pure in heart i've been studying these beatitudes and we're not studying them all in this short series that we're in but as i've been studying them i i noticed something i was reminded of something the beatitudes that we're studying here are the first the introduction to jesus first sermon recorded in the Bible, is the longest message he ever preached. But there is a, another message that Jesus taught um, at the end of one of the Gospels in Matthew chapter 23. What I've got here, I've got a lot of props tonight, but what I've got here is, is the, it, blessed in Matthew chapter 5, the, the, the eight Beatitudes, some say nine, blessed, uh, that's one bookend. But in Matthew chapter 23, there's another bookend, the other bookend, that Jesus preaches his last message. And he begins each one of those, it's by the way, it's not called the Sermon on the Mount, it's called the Sermon of Seven Woes. Yeah, that's that's an uplifting one, isn't it? It's the Sermon of the Seven Woes. And each one of the, the beginning messages that we're learning today, um, they, are, uh, they begin with, the blessed are you. But each one of the last messages he preaches, they begin with, woe to you. These bookend uh, the messages, the message of Christ in the Bible. Blessed are you and woe to you. You're blessed if you do this, And woe to you if you behave this way. And it's not an indictment, it's a challenge. It's drawing us to a higher level, a deeper calling with God. Now, if you look at the seven woes in Matthew chapter 23, and we compare those to the the blessed in Matthew chapter 5, what we'll understand in Matthew chapter 23 is seven times Jesus calls us humanity, people that are following the precepts in his word, he calls us hypocrites. Woe to you, you hypocrites. That's what Jesus says. And he is the one who has the right to say that to you and I. He's saying, look in the mirror. In fact, in Matthew 23, verse number five, it, it, uh, it tells us, uh, everything they do is done for people to see is everything they do is done for people to see. Mm. Everything they do is done for show. So Jesus begins his message to us with, blessed are the pure in heart, the sincere in heart, but woe to you who are faking it. Whew. Welcome to new life, right? Where we're gonna be, we're gonna be engaging in the reality of the word of God. Are you blessed because you're pure, pure in heart, you're sincere, sincere if, you're, if you're that way without wax, or woe to you because, because you're just faking it. And I think there's an element to all of us, every one of us, that we're faking it. And we're gonna talk about that tonight. We're, we're trying, but, but we're not pure. The word woe is called an anomatopoeia. You probably remember that when you were in school and probably remember the word, but you don't remember what it is. It, it basically, it's a word where the definition comes out of, of how it sounds, woe. The word woe is, is, is a curse, woe to you. And the word woe, it just expresses grief and, and grieving. And so Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart and cursed are the hypocrites. And he, in other words, happy are the authentic, But grieved is the person who isn't being real. It's it's the bookends of his teaching. And so there's blessing that's found when you're an authentic follower of Jesus, when we finally take off the mask and we stop pretending. And as you study these seven woes, you find out they, they do a pretty good job of identifying the impurities in our heart. And so we're gonna take a look at a couple of them tonight and we're gonna have them help us identify what a pure heart really looks like. So I have four thoughts for you if you're taking notes tonight. I'd really like you to jot some of these down. First of all, the end of my performance means no more spotlight. After the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter five, if you go, if you go on one chapter to Matthew uh, chapter six, you discover in Matthew chapter six, verse number one, it says this, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. (laughs) So be careful that what you're doing is for the right reason, not for the wrong reason. Be careful that you're not just exercising your faith to impress other people. If you do that, well, then that's your blessing. You get nothing else from God. You impressed someone. When the reality is God wants to bless you more than the blessing you get from impressing someone. But Jesus is saying, if you get off the stage and you, you get out of the spotlight and you serve someone behind closed doors, then that's, that's where he's going to bless you. Your life, the life God blesses is when you take the spotlight off of you. But we have a hard time with this in our social media generation, because what you see on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and Pinterest and LinkedIn, and you make your life look incredible. I'm gonna share something, I hope it's okay, but we were at a birthday party for my granddaughter, Zaylee. Uh, uh, or yesterday I think it was yesterday time's flying it was yesterday and uh, they wanted to take a family picture together and uh, I won't say which one of my grandchildren but it was my grandson um, uh, was I I only have one of those Uh, he was in the picture but for some reason he wasn't very happy in fact he was kind of throwing a little bit of a tantrum and he let that tantrum be shown in the middle of the family picture that they took one of those things and the picture was snapped and they kept the picture And I couldn't have been any more proud that my daughter and her husband uh, kept that photo and didn't say in this generation that we're like, no, no, take another picture, Uh, that we want the perception that I think that was the most real picture that we we can display, that we can take a look at um when you make your life just i'm not saying put all your baggage and garbage online but what i am saying is 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 we have this kind of spotlight syndrome in our culture where you you present the parts of your life that you want people to see in it it creates a mentality that really isn't authentic in our culture i saw a t-shirt that i love it said this may your life someday be as awesome as you pretend it is on facebook and i thought that's that's incredible right that's incredible That's not a blessed life. So I said, number one, the end of my performance means no more spotlight. But number two, the end of my performance means no more costumes, no more disguises. If you study the woes in Matthew chapter 23, you see what Jesus says to the hypocrites. And you learn that Jesus is very critical of them because they put the emphasis on the outward appearance. The Bible says that's not what God is concerned about, the outward appearance. Of course, there are scriptures that help us understand there's an importance to modesty in our culture. But but other than that, God looks on the heart. He doesn't look on the outside. And so Jesus speaks to us uh, this in Matthew chapter 23 uh, toward the end of the book in Matthew chapter 23, verse number five when he says everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. All right? I have no idea what that means, but that's what they do. Um, in the Old Testament, spiritual leaders, people that were in authority, Sunday school teachers and head ushers and people that were, uh, people that were on the board I'm just using terms that we use today in the church. Those people would, would want to be identified by the phylactery that they wore. Of uh, what is a phylactery, Troy? Well, a phylactery is a small box. And in that small box, oftentimes it was leather in that time. You can actually Google and see pictures, but a phylactery is something that they would either put on their wrist or they would put on their forehead. And it was, was kind of like this. I made a phylactery for you. It's kind of like a small box. And they literally would, would put inside it a scripture and they would tie it to their forehead or sometimes on their arm. And they would wear these phylacteries as leaders to the church when they would get together. Kind of like in our culture maybe, how many of y'all remember the WWJD, the What Would Jesus Do uh, 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 bracelets that, that people would wear, right? And so it'd be, it'd be kind of like that. They'd, they'd wear this and the idea is they were... Keeping the word of God in front of them, and the word of God that was in the phylactery box was directing their life. They'd go to church, and they'd wear these little boxes with those scripture in them. Sounds kind of cool, doesn't it? I mean, it's just—it was their culture, right? And in fact, it's still the culture of the Jewish culture today. But but they would wear these, and here's what happens: people would go to church, and and eventually, eventually, somebody somebody would would come in with a little bit bigger phylactery. They'd supersize their phylactery, right? Because I got more scripture than you've got, and I'm not trying to say that you're not cool or you're not like religious and you're not faithful to God, but you know, the proof's in the phylactery. And so I'm wearing my phylactery. My phylactery is bigger than your phylactery. And eventually somebody's like, well, if you're gonna supersize your phylactery, well, then, then baby, I'm gonna shoebox my phylactery, right? And so you can put the whole Bible in that sucker and they'd be wearing this thing around. This truly happened. That's what Jesus is talking about in that culture. People would wear wear these phylacteries. And Jesus is saying, I am not concerned. God is not concerned with the outward appearance, what you wear on the outside. It shouldn't be a billboard of how spiritual that you really are. You're no more important. You're no better than anybody else. People would be judged by the size of their phylactery. And we look at that, and we're like, that's stupid. That's nuts. And we do the same thing in our culture. But we do it differently, don't we? They must not be very spiritual, because check out the size of their phylactery, you know what I'm saying? And we read the verse that Jesus criticizes them for having the tassels, the ribbon at the end of their robe that was long. Here's what this means. The religious leaders, they would traditionally wear a blue ribbon, typically on the bottom of their robe, their, you know, their, their cloak, their robe that they would wear, and, and it would signify that they're, they have some spiritual authority. They were a, 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 in leadership, a board member, a teacher, a, a, a staff member, whatever it was. So they'd come to church, and somebody else would notice that That blue ribbon. I mean, they got the blue ribbon. Somebody else, okay, right on. Most people would be like, oh, you're somebody I can ask questions to, I can talk to, I can go get spiritual guidance and counsel from you because you've been placed in a position of authority as they wear this tassel. Well, somebody would come in, and and before long, you know, somebody would increase the size of their blue ribbon. And so they'd wear this blue ribbon in because, you know, and they're important, but uh, not as important as I am. And Jesus was taking note of this because there would be people that would be coming in and they'd be wearing this bigger blue ribbon. Pretty soon, there would be somebody that would come in, well, you think yours is big, mine's really big. So they'd be walking in and their whole outfit would be blue. And we look at this and we go, well, that's nuts. How ridiculous is that? And we do the same thing in our culture. And, And you're like, I don't know that I sense that, that new life, praise God but it is very prevalent in the culture in which we live. Religion, faithfulness, um, uh, understanding of God's scripture, authority and power and dominion. It's, Jesus is making it clear, it's not what's on the outside that's important. Skin color, economics, clothing, um, the cars that we drive, the money that we have, it's not important. It's not important. Jesus says it's not important. It's not important what's on the outside. It's important what's on the inside. So you might dress some way to impress somebody, but God is not concerned about that. Self-righteous want to measure themselves, and they want to measure other people by the outward appearance, but Jesus says, never do that. In fact, Jesus rebukes people who gauge someone's spiritual stature by what they wear, why? Because God wants authenticity, God wants sincerity. So biblically speaking, there is no such thing as church clothes, just wear clothes. In fact, Jesus is saying, woe to you, oh, this is good Troy, woe to you if you take hours to prepare the outside, but you've taken no time to prepare your heart Number three, the end of my performance means no more reciting lines. Just going through the motions. That's how Jesus defines how many people approach prayer. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew chapter six, I'd like to go back and read that to you. Matthew chapter six, two verses, verse number five and verse number six. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When we pray, sometimes we pretend to be more spiritual than we really are. most people used to be back in the day when I first was in leadership in church used to be when you took the offering the ushers would walk down they'd come to the front and usually the pastor would say brother so-and-so sister so-and-so would you pray over the offering and each one of the ushers would pray to God in silence that the pastor would not call on them to pray over the offering because nobody wants to pray in public. It's embarrassing or feel like they're gonna say something wrong or be criticized for how they're praying. It's hard, it's difficult to do that. Jesus says, when you pray with authenticity in your heart and you're not praying to impress people, then he's very pleased with that. Hmm. He, He wants authenticity and honesty because that's where purity is found. If you're married, Look back, when you were dating, it's a time when you put your best foot forward. Um, You didn't share everything on the first couple of dates. You put your best clothes on, you put your best makeup on, you shaved and you were careful not to say everything. It's not the time to reveal your passion for Star Wars at that first date, right? You just kind of keep it to yourself until later. But eventually, when the relationship becomes more intimate and closer, and you don't wear makeup anymore, and you talk more freely, it's a wonderful thing. My wife and I have been married 31 years last last, uh, June, and I think that my wife is the most beautiful woman in the world. I love going out to nice dinners with her uh, and showing her off, I love that. But I don't know that I like those nice dinners as much because we kind of have to whisper to each other and, and I, I'd just rather be in a relaxed environment like we were when we went out on Thursday, we went and saw a concert, we had a great time and just laughing together. I think that's, that's intimacy. Jesus is saying, he's, I'm looking for a no makeup relationship because that's where intimacy is found. He wants you to be real. And number four, the end of my performance means no more pretending. Matthew 23, verse number three. Don't do what they do, for they don't practice what they preach. This is what Jesus is saying, is the difference between a person who is pure in heart and a person who is a hypocrite. They don't practice what they preach. They put some signs on the outside to make themselves look impressive, but you look on the inside and that's not really who they are. The way that we're blessed is by being pure at heart. And the way that we're purified goes back to what Pastor Brian said last week. Blessed are those who mourn. We think of mourn when someone dies. Jesus is not speaking of that. Blessed are those who mourn who grieve over their sins, grieve over the sins of the community. And when we do that, tears of confession break down the walls of resistance in our hearts. So this week, I took some time after I listened to Brian's message, and I I took these from all of our campuses. I took these papers, and there's a ton of them, but I took these papers that just said uh, the very first week we did this, and Lord help me with. And I read them all. Lord help me with my 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 health. I'm just randomly going to grab a few, and I won't I won't let them be um, be personal. Lord Lord help me to wake up. Lord help me be a better uh, 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 Christian. Lord Lord help me with my kids and my marriage. Help me with my attitude. Lord, 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 help me um, with, uh, with doing better with my addiction. Lord, help me with my anger. There's just so many in here. Help me with my relationships. Help me be more disciplined. Help me be a better follower of Christ. Help me, help me, be, help, help me read your word more faithfully. Lord, help me, help me, help me was the cry. And there are hundreds of these. Lord, Lord, help me with the dark thoughts that I have about different people in my life. Lord, help me. And I, and I, and I took these and I said, Lord, what I want to do is I want to I feel what your people, your children, our family, I don't know, there's no names on them. I want to feel what they're, what they're feeling. And I realized as I was praying and praying for you, that I could identify with most all of those in some level of my life. I, I, I could have written many of those without even trying to. I can pretend to be more than I really am. Without trying to, I can just be putting on a show. And part of my instinct my gut inside of me says, if I'm gonna do this role effectively as a pastor and a leader of churches, church families, then I need to cover up my sin. They need to see somebody who they can aspire to follow a leader maybe who is holy. Don't share about your struggles. It'll affect your credibility. So the tendency is, and my kids hate this mask, but the tendency is, is, to, is to put on a mask. The tendency is to walk around with, with a mask like we've got it all figured out. And here's the reality. Nobody does. Nobody's got it all figured out. Hines, I hope you'll forgive me for saying this, but I used to think that the elderly had it all figured out. Until about 10 years ago, I started coming to your group every Monday and I realized they don't got it all figured out either. It's not an age thing. It's not a number of years in church thing. It's not how long you've been married thing. It's not how many kids you've got. It's not how much money is in your bank. Nobody's got it all figured out. And the Holy Spirit began to speak to me and said, do you you want God's blessing, Troy, more than you want people's approval? yes I want God's blessing in my life more than I want people's approval and it became very easy for me John chapter 1 verse number 9 the bible tells us if we confess our sins he is faithful and just will forgive us our sins cleanse us from all unrighteousness as I was studying the Word this week, I, I noticed there's a connection in the Bible between pure hearts and, and clean hands. There's a connection in Scripture. It's pretty incredible. Keep in mind, in the Bible times, they weren't aware that there was bacteria. They, they, didn't, understand, they didn't know that, that on your hands, it was important that you wash your hands so that you could be clean so that you wouldn't transmit germs to other people. Um, It was different then. It wasn't until the last century that we really discovered some of these things. The Bible says in Psalm 24, verses three and four, who may ascend into the hill of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place. He who has clean hands and a pure heart who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood and is not sworn deceitfully and in james chapter 4 verse number 8 one more verse it says come near to god and he will come near to you wash your hands you sinners and purify your hearts you double-minded first first kings chapter 7 uh, the tabernacle was built by king solomon tabernacle, the church he put five wash basins on the north and five wash basins on the south and anyone who would enter the temple had to wash their hands not because they were, they understood germs, because they, they didn't but instead it was because it was representing coming, coming before God with a clean heart because clean hands represented a clean, a pure heart So I decided, well, maybe we can take some of these scriptures and we can apply them to our lives, both here and in in Modesto tonight, online as well. You can participate with us with this. So we're gonna participate in an ancient act according to God's word tonight. We're going to wash our hands to symbolize that Jesus Christ is the one who purifies us. We cannot purify ourselves I don't have five wash basins at the entrance to each one of the churches tonight. But what we do have at the front of this campus and the front of the Modesto campus is we've got hand sanitizer. And so what I'd like to do tonight is I'd like you to, as, a, as an outward sign of the inward faith of understanding that I've got to pure, blessed are the pure in heart, I'm gonna see God. That I, I need to purify myself. And as an outward indication of the inward faith, I'd like you to come and get some hand sanitizer symbolically and, and just wash your hands. And then the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 8, Therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands, without anger or disputing. There's some power in lifting up hands that are washed, that represent a pure heart. And that can happen in a nanoseconds time. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I mean, you'll see God. No man can see God lest he die, except scripture tells us if your heart is pure, you will see God. And so we're gonna not just wash our hands as an outward indication of a purified heart, but then we're gonna take a few moments at the end of this gathering tonight. We've informed the children's workers here and there. It might be a few minutes longer tonight. And we're gonna have you lift up those hands, the purified hands that represent a purified heart and begin as scripture tells us in 1 Timothy 2, 8 that we just read, to lift up those holy hands unto God and worship the author and the finisher, the perfecter of your faith. Mighty God, thank you for your grace. I love the fact that there is joy and happiness when we come clean before you. Allow us to experience your grace, God. And the very things we've been mourning over this week the areas where we feel the most shame we invite you to purify us and to cleanse us and to make us new let us put into practice and remember your words jesus that blessed are the pure in heart for they will see god as we say good night to our medesto congregation We bless you and we trust that you'll come to the altar tonight. Wash your hands. Lift up those hands before the King of all kings and worship him. God bless you, Modesto Church. Amen.